One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another special edition of the Rotor Report podcast. It's Gav here again. And today I'm looking eagerly forward to my chat with a player who I can describe really only as iconic. I mean, he made 55 appearances for Sunderland, uh, scoring eight goals. And is someone who fans still have a massive affection for because he brought, you know, the type of character and spirit that our team had been missing for many years prior to his arrival, really. So it's a pleasure today to be able to say I'm speaking with Ross Wallace. Ross, how are you doing? Yeah, very good. Thanks for that introduction. <laughs> like I say, iconic. I mean, when I think back to that time, you weren't really here all that long, really, but, you know, so many good memories. I mean, what's it like up at St Mirren then? Is it is it back in Scotland for the first time since you left Celtic? That's right, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. You know, I think it was something like 12 years or something like that. Since I moved from Celtic to Sunderland, that was my first time I went back to Scotland to play. And I quite enjoyed that, actually going back to, to the, old, old, the old stadiums that I used to go to as a kid and stuff. But I loved it. I mean, unfortunately, you know, this coronavirus yeah. is an end to that. But well, are you missing it? To be fair, I was out of football for a few months and uh, I only just got back in. And uh, I played three games and then obviously this coronavirus is what came. So, I mean, what sort of impact is that going to have on you? Obviously, now you're 34 year old. Are you, are you still got plans to play on for a bit longer? Yeah, I've got to play on as. as no, fortunately, you know, I've not had any bad injuries over the years. You know, I feel fit, feel strong. But obviously, this is, as soon as you mentioned you're 34, you know, it's, just, it's hard to get in at teams. But, you know, I yeah. feel as fit and as sharp as, you know, as, as, as I've ever done. So, you know, it's frustrating when obviously you're trying to make phone calls and people are looking at younger, want to go younger and stuff like that. But, mm. but I'm, I'm more than confident I could uh, play a part, you know, for a good couple of years yet. Oh, it's, that's good to hear then, because obviously, you know, with what's going on, nobody really knows what's going going to happen going forward. But at least you know you're, you're confident in yourself that you're going to be able to play on. I mean, there were there were actually rumours in the summer that you might even have ended up back at Sunderland. I remember saying a few bits and pieces about when you were looking for a club after Fleetwood that you could have came back here. Was there anything in that? Yeah, I asked the question if you, um, but obviously I never really got a response. You know, I would have, I would have gave my right arm to come back to Sunderland at that time. You know that. that that would have been a perfect move uh, for yeah. me. Because I played at League One with Fleetwood and that, no, we had quite a good season. I still felt I had a lot to give. You know, I would have loved to have come back. You know, there's still some really good players. You know, at, at Sunderland at the time. You know, and I thought I would have fitted in well with that, with the way, the way they played and stuff. But obviously, decisions are made. You know, it's in football and um, that's life. You just need to take it on the chin. But yeah. you know, if that opportunity had came, 
and they'd give, given the green light for it. I would have ran to Sunderland from, from where <laughs> I lived. What was that like playing for Fleetwood then? I mean, Joey Barton is somebody who's got a bit of a hate-hate relationship with our fans, and I'm sort of intrigued to ask, you know, what, what do you like to play for? Uh, I'll certainly be careful what I say. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's... Just, Thing is, we Joey, he wears his heart on his sleeve, doesn't he? He's obviously there's, there's a clash here between Sunderland and and Joey, and obviously he's had some things to say about Sunderland, which but obviously on my side, you know, I I've got that be a bit of bias towards Sunderland because I've got that sort of you know I still support the club kind of like away from it and stuff. So when I hear him saying stuff about Sunderland, I'm just a wee bit like, ah, this is a bit weird. <laughs> But uh, no, yes. But in terms of being a coach, you know, if you just take him as a coach and being a manager and stuff, you know, he's actually really good. You know, on the training pitch, very, very good. You know, tactically and stuff. Obviously, he's got that a little hot streak, similar to what, what Roy had. You know, when he first came to Sunderland, it was his first job. You know, he's had that fire, and uh, obviously, if they can control that. But you no, know, these people have got that edge, and that's what I like about managers. You know. I like to play for managers to keep their players on their toes. You know, you want to you want the players to be on edge a little bit. You know, to to push them because if you don't have that, then players end up playing at eighty percent, ninety percent. But the point of all this, I guess, your time at Sunland, and it seems like only yesterday to me, but it was actually fourteen years ago. I mean, where's that time gone? You know, you signed for the club in the summer of two thousand and six, which at the time we were in a bit of a limbo. I mean, we started the season terribly and. Niall stepped back as manager and Roy came in and then there was that one day where we signed something like six players and you were one of those players who came into the club. How were things going at Celtic before you came to Sunderland? Were you happy there? Obviously at Celtic, uh, I think it was Gordon Strachan at the time. I was playing left-back because obviously we were, no, at Celtic we, we had some really good players, you know, with some top wingers at the time who were flying. Obviously we had McGeady, who's obviously was opposite Sunderland. Yeah. Uh, we had like Nakamura, Sean Maloney, look, we had loads of people. It was hard to fit in. So I ended up striking, put me to left back for a, for a little bit. And I played there, but I was, I was good going forward and stuff. I quite enjoyed that. But I, I, I'm not left back. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to play up, up top as a winger, trying to create goals and take people on and stuff. And it just didn't suit me. And obviously, obviously my agent was, he's a Sunderland lad as well. So he, he gave me the phone call and just says, uh, basically, Roy fancies taking you down because obviously Roy had been at Celtic for a few months. Yeah, had you played with him at Celtic? Yeah, well, before yeah, yeah. Roy yeah, he had played a few months there. I think he got injured and then obviously he, he retired at the, the end of that season yeah. and into the Sunderland job. So I'd already trained with him and played with him and stuff. So he obviously knew me from that way. And I think it was me and Stan Varga, wasn't it, that, that came down? That's right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Roy just said, Do you fancy coming to Sunderland? And I was absolutely buzzing. Because I was thinking I was going to stay in Scotland, maybe go 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 to somewhere in Scotland, and then obviously when you hear Sunderland, massive club. Obviously with Roy coming in, it's going to be a massive media thing. And, you know what I mean? Everybody's going to jump on it, mm. and it'll be a oh, it'll be a nice wee buzz <laughs> for a few years, maybe while Roy's there, especially. So I thought, why not go for it? Yeah, why not? I mean, Celtic's a massive club, I guess, but this was your first chance of being an established player at another club, and under a manager with a bit of momentum, you know. I can totally understand why you would want to play for him. I mean, what, 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 how did you find him generally? I've spoken to a few players. You, you know, you hear both sides of the coin. How did you find him? I, I love playing with Roy. Obviously, there was times... I think Roy, even himself, would say now, no, you maybe you've changed things a little bit. But you say change things, you know, we absolutely we squished the league in the end. So it's like... Yeah. 
what you done must have must have been right. But I think just the day to day stuff, uh, he was just a bit he, he was a bit fiery, too a bit, a bit too fiery. No, I if he had just chilled a wee bit. Obviously you want to keep that no Roy obviously you want to keep everybody on their toes and have that sort of fear factor. But I think that the whole fear thing, I think just maybe just went a little bit too far at times. But I think overall, no, I love working under Roy, you know, and I love working under managers like that who are a bit edgy and basically I've got high standards and push people to you know get the best out of them. But you know, I thought Roy was really good, and I'd like to see him back in at management. To be fair, because I think he he probably knows he he changed a lot a few bits and bobs. You know, I think he'd be really good if he gets another chance at it. Why, why do you think he hasn't actually done much after Sunland? I guess as a manager, because he he's been an assistant, hasn't he? he had a few in a few different roles with alongside Martin O'Neill, but he's never really he had a, he had a stint with with Ipswich, which didn't go particularly well. I mean, what 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 do you think has happened there? Then why do you think clubs aren't taking a chance on someone like Roy Keane? Uh, I'm not sure. I think maybe it's just obviously you hear stories and like having. Are clashing with players and stuff later uh, at Ipswich and now you've heard stories, blah blah blah. But I just think now, since he, I think since he's worked with Martin O'Neill, I think he's realised, you know, I think he did maybe take a back step and his man, his hands-on management with the players and stuff. I don't know. You have to, uh, it's a question for Roy, but yeah, I'd love to see him get back in because I think now he's learned a lot. Because I worked with Martin when I first came through, he gave him my debut at Celtic, and Martin O'Neill was brilliant. I absolutely loved him. When when Roy was obviously Sunderland manager, though, he, he arrived with just the reputation of being a world-class player, didn't he? Whereas now people have, I guess, chairman and stuff, they take a look at what he's done across his whole career and they maybe worry a little bit about what he's capable of and you know whether he might be difficult to work with and stuff. But I agree with you. I, I mean, when Sunderland sacked Jack Ross, a lot of fans want to see Roy come back to Sunderland, and not just because he done so well the first time around, just because he brings values which a lot of clubs are lacking. One club, clubs who are in disarray and stuff, you know, the fans want to see a manager come in and maybe rule with an iron fist and bring bring the standards up a little. And I guess that's what he did at Sunderland, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's spot on. The standards are like so high. You know, he expected obviously the year got promoted. I don't want to develop too far, but obviously, if you're getting in his mindset, you know. He was, he's basically of the thinking, we should be winning this championship. You know what I mean? Because obviously, I, I hear things like uh, the players at the minute, uh, Sunderland lads thinking, oh, if we can make the playoffs and stuff. I'm like, Sunderland, look at that group of players, some, some really good players in that Sunderland squad on paper. Yeah. No, they really should be winning that league. Absolutely. And it, I mean, we won't touch too much on it, but yeah, I think the game is better off with Roy Keane in it. You know, he can be abrasive and he can be difficult to work with, I suppose. But, I mean, I'd love, like you said, I'd love to see him back in management. I think he's just, he's got too much to give, you know. And I, obviously, it was his, his first year in, in management. He's, he's going to be learning as well as a manager. Yeah. And I think he's had a few, he's dipped his toes in. He's had a couple of years managing. He's took a back seat, working with Martin O'Neill behind the scenes. And I think it's just got his juices going again. And I'd love him to get another opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, go back to the the week you signed for Sunderland. So you you came in on deadline day, like I say, and then the next game was away at Derby County. And I spoke to Toby Heisen, and he spoke about how he made his debut in the game before that, and then you came in and took his place in the team um, down at Derby. And obviously, that was that's an iconic day. I mean, the fans celebrating your winner uh, at the end, what a dream debut, really, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it was brilliant. Uh, we were in the changes room before and obviously Roy's going round everybody shaking hands and he was like 
got a feeling you're going to score today. <laughs> and I was like, I bloody hope so. <laughs> and that was it. He just left it at that. And then obviously, bang, you know, I managed to, to get the winner. No, that but that day was was absolutely unbelievable. It gave me goosebumps, you know, because it was my first obviously it was my first time away from home. It sort of like set me up a little bit, you know. I brought the family down to Sunderland to live. Obviously to go off that flyer like that, I just and obviously to see that amount of fans, that's when I realised how big Sunderland was. I didn't think it was there were going to be like every away game you went was packed out. Yeah. It sort of reminded me of Celtic in a way. I don't think as big a club as Celtic, but uh, worldwide, but I think it reminded me of you know, the fans, the passion, you know, there's travelling numbers and they're so passionate. I just thought this is going to be brilliant, but yeah. getting that winner and then obviously taking my top off. Like, absolutely. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you about that because that's kind of why fans connect so much with you, don't they? And I think people remember you so fondly because they love to see players celebrate goals like that. I mean, what's going through your head when you're running, running away with your top over your head? <laughs> Honestly, I, I don't have a clue what, what's going on. <laughs> I don't think I used to watch, remember the old Italian football? Yeah, yeah. And I remember they used to do it, and I was just, <laughs> I used to watch that. Oh, I'd love to do that. You score a winner and get the top off. It's unbelievable. And then to just looking back, I'm thinking, well, she absolutely idiot. <laughs> but you done it against Hull, I think was, wasn't long after that derby game. Jumped in the crowd, got sent off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I remember Roy gave me a bit of stick for eyes. Like, I don't know why you keep taking your top off, because you've not got the best body in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Did he did he go down your throat overall, or was he not too bothered? No. To be fair, there like there were two winning goals. There were like there were big points. Yeah. Especially the whole one because I think we were actually we were starting to get obviously we were on a bit of momentum and, and to get that three points away, you no, know, it just it just lifts you a wee bit more. I think it just mm. he says he was going to find me a week's wages or something or two weeks' wages, but he never in the end. He just <laughs> gave me a wink as if to say, yeah, don't do that again. Aye, he did. Basically, good man management, I guess, you know. Roy was a very, very funny guy. Like, he was actually very funny. And obviously, inside the training ground, obviously, you have days where he was, you could tell he was in a bit of a bad mood. Yeah, everybody just stay away from him. But most of the time, you know, he was with a big smile on his face, you know, cracking jokes. He had a bit of a reputation as a player, as like being one of the lads as a drinker, didn't he? So you can you can get that. I mean, you don't, you don't, you're not as successful as Roy Keane without being ultra professional a lot of the time, but obviously, he was obviously a good lad to have around the changing room or he wouldn't have been captain of so many teams. Yeah, exactly. And then I think, I think obviously when we first when I first signed, that he brought in the kind of players that he knew were sort of like similar to him. Mm. Obviously, I don't think it was me. He brought in like all the Irish, like Liam Miller, you know, Graham Kavanagh. Dwight York's the one that stands out to me because he'd, he'd won everything with Roy at Man U. I still can't get my head around why you would leave the beaches of Sydney to come to Sunderland. But he did, and he and he was here for a good few years, and he and he done well for us, you know. I think bringing in a player like that really pepped the fans up as well. Yeah, exactly, because it lifts the fans. You know, you see a big name like that coming in. Obviously, Yorkie, he, he, he couldn't move around as, as well as he could back in the day, but I think he played in the middle of the park. Yeah, but he had legs. He had legs round about him, and he still no, he was still a bit. He was a top player, you know, technically still get it and pass it and stuff. You had like Dean Whitehead, who was a very good player. He he had loads of legs round about him. You know, that's just like. Stephen Elliott well, basically just put Yorkie in the middle and he's got loads of legs around about him and I just sort of, sort of just clicked together Yeah, as soon as he came in I don't think David Connolly gets enough credit either really because he, he's another who done really well for us that season but he doesn't really get talked about too much you know somebody yeah, who yeah. came in and had, he was a Republic of Ireland international and just hit the ground running really and I know we didn't we didn't actually one thing about that season we didn't have one 
standout goal scorer where who had like 20 30 goals it was like the goals were shared pretty evenly around the team it points to that good team spirit you know yeah we did i think obviously with the, the lads that were already there and then the boys that he brought in everybody i just gelled right away it was, it was quite it's quite weird to, to explain i just everybody just connected right away obviously like to say striker wise you know we had no daryl murphy there who that season who got better as the season went on he was unplayable towards the end of the season yeah uh, Obviously, David Conley, very good player. We had different types. I think Stern John came in, did he? Yeah, he came in in the January. He was he he. Yeah, uh, I think came from Coventry, but did really well again. Another one who gave us a bit of physicality up front. And that and that squad, we had, we had a bit of everything. But uh, yeah, I think that. And then obviously, come January, obviously I'm getting a bit ahead of myself. But the one that I think the one player that just as soon as he came in, I just clicked all together was uh, Big Johnny Evans. Oh yeah, I mean he he must have been eighteen year old at the time to come in and I mean I I, I credit that signing and maybe the signing of Dan, Danny Simpson at right back as well just with gave us that little bit extra didn't it? Uh, yeah, I think uh, yeah obviously uh, Danny Simpson done well as well when he came in but I think Johnny Evans was the one as soon as we signed him because you know he was the calm one you know he could bring the ball down he's the one that could play out and then obviously he had Nugsy beside him. Nugsy was just big, powerful, strong, gets tight, quick. So it was, they sort of complemented each other really well. And we had a real good base, you know, we were really strong defensively uh, with A2. And, uh, you know, as soon as Johnny came in, the whole team just clicked. And uh, it was basically, if you were going to beat us, like, you were you were going to have to play really well. Mm. That's, the first half of that season was difficult, though, wasn't it? I mean, we all remember how well we ended it. But up until the new year, I don't think we played... Although we improved on where we started, we were in like the middle of the table and we seemed to take a step forward then a step back. And Roy was able to improve the results, but really we struggled for consistency in the run-up to the new year. What was the mood around the club like before January? Were people still confident that we were going to challenge at the top? Yeah, I think, no, that's in the dressing room. We were, no, we were confident we had, we had plenty you know, to, to, to make a little go at it. But um, obviously at the time, we were, we were win one, draw, loss, win we're doing that but um, like you say as soon as you get past Christmas then then that, you know, that's that's when the season properly starts and as long as you're knocking a bell from mid-table you know then you, know, you have a good January window like we did and I think I, I, I can't remember how many games you lost but we didn't lose many we lost one <laughs> we lost one lost game one. I think it was yeah I think it was against Colchester right near the end of the season other than that we went, we went on a mental run of just winning and drawing games which is why we got promoted because we started off something like 13th place all the way up to first I can't remember many times that happening in the championship where a club's just come from the middle of the table to win the league like we did yeah that's an unbelievable start that you know what a run that is I think it was from, was it from January to end of the season we lost one game yeah yeah and that, that was Colchester right near the end of the season so yeah. it's uh, yeah another signing we made I forgot but does Carlos Edwards sign in that Dragon yeah, as well yeah yeah of course Carlos Edwards he was he was a huge signing I mean he scored yeah. some really important goals didn't he yeah that was that was another good signing you know what a January we had to add to the players that we already had you know that, that was a brilliant squad you know I love playing in amongst the lads they're all good lads as well you know they're all willing to run and just sometimes you've got tactics and stuff but you know, basically just run hard and be aggressive and put tackles in, and that's probably that's what we did. We never done a lot of shape. I can't remember us doing loads of shape and stuff. Basically, Roy was just like get good players and get them on the ball. I mean, you've not got the ball, run hard and be, uh, and be aggressive and go and put tackles in. 
what was he like around the training ground? I know there were. I know he didn't. He didn't used to spend all weekend Sunderland, and he had good coaches, didn't he? Who used to do the majority of the work. Yeah, I think we had the mix. We had uh, obviously you had Tony Lachlan, who was there, who was a bit more hands on with the training and stuff. And then we had like Neil Bailey came in and uh, Ricky Sprazier. You know, there was boys come drifting in and out, but uh, I think Tony Lachlan was the one that sort of took most of the training. But Roy would step in. If he seen something that he wasn't happy with, then he would step in and he would put his mark on it. What was he like in training? Did he used to, did he used to get involved and muck in? Uh, not, not very often, but he did once. I told this story uh, on the Sunday hour. He stepped in once, uh, I think it was like a 5, 5v5, he was on a Monday or something, and one of the lads got injured, and it was like uh, like four four-minute games or something. One of the teams went 2-0 down, and then one of the lads got injured, and he went on the team for the lads that were getting beat 2-0, just in the little five-a-sides. And he came in, and we were all playing for like four-minute games or something, and he scored a hat-trick right <laughs> the left foot, and then, like, dink to goalkeeper. Remember, like, Cantona's against Sunderland. Yeah. Like, ah, uh, dink to go, like, the goalie right in the top corner. Ah, uh, and he just basically just blew the, blew the whistle and he just put the bib down and just walked away. <laughs> he still got it, yeah. But then he'd come up to you after, like, in the canteen, and he just, this is why, like, little things like this, he'd come up and go, like, behind you and whisper, did you see my hat trick there? <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he learned from the best, didn't he? I mean, he, I know he, he won everything under Alex Ferguson. He he talks all the time about Brian Clough, doesn't he? And how much of an influence Clough he was on his career. And you, yeah. you, can, you can see that element of that in him. Yeah, I think I, I think that's why when he obviously when he went to work with Martin, because Martin's obviously got the Cluffy, you know, does things through the Cluffy manual as well, isn't he? Obviously going down that line. You know, Roy's obviously probably enjoyed working on the Martin because you know, both share similar values. Yeah. I've got to ask um before we played Barnsley late in the season, there was a there was a bit of a moment where and I was stood in the away end and back them days there was no social media or nothing. You just turned about the match and you saw that's what the team was. You know, now we get the team news an hour before kickoff or whatever. And we saw um Stephen Wright, Kenny Cunningham warming up on the pitch and everyone's like, What's going on here? And it, it emerged later on that actually Roy had left three players behind in the northeast and hadn't took them to the game with them and those players were uh, Anthony Stokes, Tobias Heisen and Martin Fuller. Uh, what do you remember about that when he left them behind and, and, and what unfolded afterwards? I mean, what, how, what was the reaction like on the bus? Oh, yeah, that was, yeah, that was when they missed the bus. Yeah. To be fair, we the lads, we were, we, were just, no, we were just laughing, you know, we found it <laughs> funny. We found it funny because we knew that they had to come in Monday and report to Roy. <laughs> just like, <laughs> all the best, lads. He uh, totally yeah, turned around, didn't he? Yeah, we had a meeting point on the uh, Dunmore Winyard sort of way where a few of the lads lived on the way down to an away match. And uh, I think so, yeah, the, obviously the three lads were were late. But uh, I think Mick Martin Fulop and uh, Toby, they had uh, they had just turned and went went home. They just didn't even... But Stokes, he had followed the bus. <laughs> so he was following the bus in his car. And he obviously, he's phoned Liam Miller, because obviously Miller and Roy... Obviously, Roy had a soft spot for Miller with the Irish connection. Yeah. So his phone Liam to go and try and speak to Roy to stop the bus at the next junction. <laughs> and uh, obviously, Roy was having none of it. He just basically just says, tell him to turn back at the next junction and go home. This bus is <laughs> no stopping, basically. How far, How long did he follow for? Oh, I was following for a good 10 minutes. <laughs> in the road. And basically, you just see them coming off the junction. But you know what the lads are like? They're all at the back of the bus. He's soaking hellers because he's something like as he's coming off the junction. Oh, it was, uh, it was quite funny, but 
But that was the kind of thing. Roy hated people being late. You know, that, that, that was the sort of standard sort of thing. And it was like, he probably could have stopped the bus to let him on, but it was just, you had to let the lads know that this, being late is not acceptable. You know what I mean? Mm. Funny, funny that, considering he signed players like Juf and Chimbonda a couple of seasons later who were just so unprofessional and late all the time. I, I always found that mad that he, he went that route. He went a complete opposite to what he would, he, you know, his standards. He signed players who he knew weren't going to maybe fit that mould. Yeah, I was just on the verge of leaving. I remember Shimbonda coming, I think I left a few days later. But the thing is with Roy, he, cannot, he likes those characters, you know. He likes players that have got a bit of character, have uh, got that wee bit of fight. You know, if things are not going well, then they'll go and dig in and they'll go and like make a, a tackle and try and stir things up. You know, you sort of like those kind of characters. Obviously, I, I'm not sure how they got on after that, but yeah, you know, those kind of lads. You know, I think Roy actually quite liked him. Mm. Perhaps the the most iconic game of that season was it was a Friday night under the lights uh, at the Stadium of Light, right near the end of the season against Burnley, and it, it it well, I mean, it had everything, didn't it? Drama, brilliant goals. The winner by Carlos was. Probably my favourite ever Sunderland goal and securing, well, what turned out to be a vital three points because it got us promoted. I mean, what do you remember about that night? Well, that, was, that was a brilliant game. Uh, I think uh, Wade Elliott for Burnley, I think he scored from about 30 yards. Yeah, he did, yeah. Uh, and then Carlos just went and beat that, just smashed one in. But uh, no, that was the kind of spirit we had, you know, sort of new. Sometimes you have those games during the season where they're just mad games. For the fans, you know, what a spectacle it was. I think David Conley scored. Was Daryl Murphy scored as, as well? I think Daryl Murphy did score, yeah. It was one of those games where it was just back and forth and we missed a penalty early on. We went behind 2-1 and we ended up winning the game. I mean, yeah. it was crazy. Yeah, that's what you won. You won games like that, do you? Well, I don't know. It was difficult. <laughs> Give me a heart attack. But yeah, I guess as a neutral, it's what you want, isn't it? Yeah, as a neutral, you want that. But as long as you win, you know what I mean? That's a yeah. good thing. I think you're right, though. It, it, it sums up the character the team had because... Burnley weren't a, they weren't a league challenger. I think they were like mid-table at the time. They gave us a task and we had to find a way around it, knowing that if we won, we were pretty much promoted and we got the job done by the most spectacular method in scoring a goal like Carlos did that night. I mean, before that, I think he scored three or four earlier in the season. I think he got one at Birmingham, one at Coventry, just long-range screamers like that. You had that in the locker, to be fair, yeah. You know, obviously, players like that, you know, when the team's playing so well and then obviously confidence is, is just oozing out of them. You know, that's that was Carlos at the time. You know, he was, he was unstoppable at times. He was so sharp. But we could go around the whole team, you know. We could create chances from all over the park, you know. We were quite a powerful team as well. We were big, we were strong. You know, we could mix it up front. We could play. We just had a mix of everything, you know. We were, nah, nah. So it was a brilliant season to be involved in, to be fair. And we, we ended the season with a massive win at Luton, which got us the league title, 5-0, I think. I mean, how proud are you? And I know you can, I can hear it in your voice now, t- telling us about that team, but how proud are you of what, what we managed to achieve that season? No, that was great. I just remember, like, at the end of the game, you know, I think uh, behind all the Sunderland fans behind the goal, and uh, <laughs> I think there was yeah. Sunderland fans dotted all over the stadium. That's it, yeah, to, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was, no, it was, just, it was brilliant. And we went back. No, we had celebration. I remember Roy just walked in. I think Roy just walked in. He was out for a wee bit. And then he obviously, but you could tell he was in the changing room and he was just sitting there, lads. But he was, I think he was buzzing inside himself. I didn't, I didn't even want to be over, over joyous. But you, know, you could see in his face, you know, Roy was, I think he was proud of what the lads has achieved yeah. and what he achieved as well. He didn't want to, I remember at the end of that season, he he cancelled any sort of plans for a, for a bus parade, didn't he? He just wanted the people to realise that, you know, 
Sunderland have done a brilliant job this season, but we aren't getting too ahead of ourselves. And, you know, we shouldn't really be celebrating coming out of this league too much. Um, How did the players feel about that? I I understood that. I I was young, you know, I had had another 10, 15 years in the game still to go, but there was a few lads who were at the end of their career who maybe just wanted that wee bit of limelight, you know, be on the bus parade going through Sunderland or whatever, you know, getting promoted. But you could see Roy's point, you know, and that's the way he was. It was just basically like, we should be getting promoted. Mm. Yeah, it would have been nice for those lads, but you could see where Roy was coming from, you know, he had he had a point. Yeah. But obviously he, Roy was um yes, you could see in his face, he was very proud of what we done we achieved that season. But obviously he in his mind he's you no, know, he's he was wanting to set these standards when we got into the changing room after Luton. You know, he yeah. was already thinking of next season. That that was that's the way you know these guys think, you know, these just pure winners, you know, he's thinking about next season already. But obviously it's just like have your moment, have a few days, have a week. Uh, celebrating and then listen, come back next season and then basically we're going to have a go at this Premier League. Yeah, and you went, you ended the season with six goals. I think there was plenty of competition on that side of the pitch, wasn't there? So yeah, six goals is you know I, I thought, uh, that's probably what I usually average in a season well, mm. between six and eight goals. But you no, know, I probably could have got more goals. But you know, I think I got a few winners in there. We had so much fire firepower up front. It was about just serving the serving the lads up front, you know, like obviously myself or Toby or Carlos or whoever was whoever was playing the wide areas around mm. midfield. It's about, you know, we had so much firepower up front. It was just about uh, getting service to those lads. I miss those days of wingers just getting past that man and whipping it in. Like it's it's all changed, hasn't it? The role of a winger. It's not so much about that anymore. The one a lot of managers want want the wide players cutting inside and trying to. Come in behind the strikers rather than just doing the old-fashioned way of getting getting past the fullback with pace and whipping it in. I mean, how did you did you have to adapt your game as your career went on? Well, I think um, yeah, I was still playing sort of wing as I left to to at Burnley, but obviously when I went to Sheffield Wednesday, then that's when I properly had to adapt because you know we ended up playing a three in midfield and I was playing a three in in, in the centre of the midfield, so I think that's when the game changed sort of. No, those kind of years, but I don't mind. They are they are out there. If you want people to be a winger and uh, and and hug the touchline and get to the fullback, they are there are wingers out there that can do it. It's just they're coached and they're told no to come inside, to play off the line, in between pockets, and all this sort of stuff, which is really good. No, you understand it, but no, sometimes no, I, I like the old fashioned no high and wide and get out to the winger and get the fullback and get crosses in. But obviously nowadays. You know, the games went faster. You know, fullbacks have become tougher and faster and stronger. They're harder to get past. So that's why you've had to players have had to adapt. You know, to try and find other ways. Of, you mm. know, teams. But I'm a fan of the old-fashioned winger myself. Yeah, and you 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 were actually asked to play um, left back in the start of the next season, weren't you? I think you started the first game of of the Premier League season at left back against Spurs. I mean, that was a, another brilliant day. Full stadium, sunny day. Early kickoff on Sky, ninetieth minute winner. I mean, it was it, perfect day, really, wasn't it? I think. Did you get the Did you get the uh, the assist for the goal as well? Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I just remember it being absolutely roasting that day. It was, yeah. Uh, yeah, I started off left back, and then I think I got moved up to to left midfield for the last twenty minutes or something, and ended up. I don't know why I ended up away over on the right. <laughs> uh, obviously, managed to get a cross in for uh, for I think it was chops, was it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, 
and uh, no, it, was, it was a great first touch and it was a good finish. And the whole place just absolutely just went bouncing. It was unbelievable to see, you know, as a player, also as a fan, they're looking on the pitch. Yeah. And, and, and they could see it. And I've seen games looking as a fan on the pitch and it looks brilliant being on the pitch. But obviously, as, as players, when you score a winner like that at the end and you're running towards the corner and the lads are celebrating and you can see players have seen the fans you know, bouncing and going mental, you know, as a packed stadium, mm. like you say, it's an unbelievable sight. You know, you don't get many moments like that in your career, so savour them. The one that always sticks out to me for Sunderland is when Jermaine Defoe scored against Newcastle at the Stadium of Light on the volley. And he ran, this is a player who played God knows how many times for England, played in the Champions League, done everything really. Yet that goal reduced him to tears because he runs over to the fans and he's on the floor in tears celebrating. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, as you say, you don't get many times like that in your career, do you? That is special. It's hard to explain for, for me to explain to, to, to obviously yourself and yeah. fans or whatever. But when you're in that moment, it's just uh, what a sight it is, you know, especially a Sunderland. They make so much. When it, when it takes off and it's a packed stadium, it's a big game and you, and you score a winner. The noise and like you see the fans and how passionate they are, you know, it's just unbelievable, honestly. I miss those times because where we are now, I mean, thinking back to days like that, what a, what a way to introduce yourself to the Premier League, you know. We, we'd, we'd actually had quite a good summer, bought some decent players in, but most of them were unknown quantities, really. Like even Chops up front, he he had a good season with Cardiff, hadn't he? But was an ex-Newcastle player and people weren't sure about him. So it was just a, a brilliant way to start the season, really. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I think they ended up saying Cayman Jones. Uh, Another top player, yeah. Yeah, who went on to, no, to be brilliant that year. but. Um, Obviously, we were up against it that year. Uh, obviously, you know, but, uh, but um, I think we put in a not a decent shift o- overall. But I think with the players that we had, I think was probably. I think we would have been finished. We stayed up that year, didn't we? Yeah, we we stayed up. Um, but it was a case of we did it, and we sort of laboured towards the end of the season. So we 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 had a pretty indifferent season. But that last stretch from like February onwards, we only won once in the league. So obviously, if looking back at it, if you're coming up from the from the championship, first foremost, you want to just stay in. Obviously, you don't want to say it, but you want to stay in the league, build, and then go again for the following season. You know, so obviously, with Roy's mentality, he's probably he's saying to the players, he's probably thinking, I want mid table and above. Now that's the high standards that he was wanting in the Premier in the Premier League as we had just come up. But obviously, you can't be coming out and saying stuff like. No, if we could just stay in the league and that, that's that's quite negative. No, I agree. I agree, and it's it, especially when you talk. I'm not. I mean, I know everybody thinks their club's the best club and all that, but you don't. You don't want to hear your club being anything other than totally ambitious, do you? You want it. You want. You want them to try and be the best that can be, and that that's what Roy Roy brought for me. I thought he he brought even at a time when because you've got to remember before before even you arrived and Roy arrived that. Sunderland had just came off the back of a terrible season so we just wanted to see a team that could fight but with a bit of quality in it with some, and a sprinkling of uh, you know spend a little bit of money on good players who could make a difference and I think he did that I think with Roy's high standards I never came back to bite him sort of thing obviously you yeah. want that high standards no, he was saying no we want to be mid-table we want to get up there uh, no, we shouldn't be doing down and obviously, I think obviously you got the fans' expectations right up, like as as you should. But obviously, you've got to have that little bit of 
No, remember where we were. No, I mean, yeah. a few months yeah. back, 12 months ago, we were just trying to get out the championship. So I think staying in that first first season, staying in the actual Premier, Premier League, you, know, you would have took that at the start of the season. Absolutely. And that season, like you say, we stayed up, but um, you, you actually played fairly regularly in the first half of the season and you got a couple of goals. I think you, you got one at the Emirates, didn't you, against Arsenal? You seem to be continually linked away from the club towards the January, and Roy even admitted that he would consider offers for you. I mean, what happened there then? Do you, why do you think he he didn't fancy you as much in the team after promotion? Uh, I can't remember. He had he had a mad moment. We were going through a bad run. I think he was like he had one of those mad moments where he was just told like about ten players that were they were going to get released, and then he backtracked on his statement like a week later. <laughs> so as he you know, he done stuff like that, but you're Obviously, they're, they're the little things that he probably looks back and go, I shouldn't have done that, you know what I mean? Obviously, yeah. players are going to come in, they'll hit a bit of form. That's why you've got a squad, you know, the guys who are come in, if he's maybe retired or he's out of form for a few games, pull them out, put somebody else in, then obviously, that's why you've got a big squad, you know what I mean? Plans went out of form a wee bit, just be like, bang, you're getting released after like having a bad game or something. Yeah. Well, not one bad game. <laughs> he's sinking in Richardson for like six million. Yeah, he was playing left wing, and obviously he got a back injury that season for the first part of the season. So I was actually playing, and I yeah. thought I actually was playing well. I scored a few goals, and I was doing all right. And then I, he was coming back fit, and then obviously just as he was coming back fit, I snapped my medial, I think I snapped my medial ligament, got a bad injury, and then obviously then that that was basically the end of my Sunderland career, basically because then Kieran came back, he was fit, and then obviously I was I was never going to come back and play. Because obviously he was going to play Kieran and paid six million pounds. So yeah, going to budge him at the team. Yeah, he was the star signing that summer, and it was, I guess, expected that he would play every week when he was fit. But I mean, beyond that, you 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 actually, although you had such a bad injury, because like you say, it, I mean, medial ligament, it's it's pretty serious. Um, you managed to come back for the final game, and which I guess is a pretty remarkable recovery. I mean, how how hard did you work to be able to play a part on that day? I was all, all I had in my mind was. I think I, I can't remember. I think I spoke to Roy. I think I asked him. I went. I, I'd love to play before the end of the season because I kind of, I kind of half knew that possibly this, the season after I'd probably be leaving because you know he signed Kean Richardson. I was like, as much as I was staying, you could you could say you're welcome too much. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and be a bit stubborn and just stay. But that was the me. I, I wanted to play football. I know Roy had paid a lot of money for Kean, so I was like. Whatever happens, I'm not going to play here. But obviously, I came back for the Arsenal game. I think I got man of the match for that game, last game of the season. Hmm. But as I was doing my rehab for the last like for the four or five months before that, I was just all I could some thing in my head. It was like, please just get me one last game. And I spoke to Roy and says, I did, I want to play for the end of the season. And I, I don't think the physios were too happy with that. But I was like, nah, I want to play. But I ended up had a brilliant rehab. You no know, physios were brilliant. Uh, got me back for the last game of the season. You know. Obviously, looking back now, I was absolutely buzzing to manage to get to play a final game at the end of the season. To be fair, I had a chance to go to America during the summer because obviously I'd spent for four or five months uh, doing my rehab uh, at Sunderland and I got back for the last game of the season and the season finished. But, you know, I was ready to go. Yeah. I had an opportunity to go to America to, to play over the summer, you know, to keep fit and then come back next season you know, for pre-season fresh and, yeah, yeah. and ready to go. Uh, and I, I turned it down, but in hindsight, maybe I, I probably should have done that because 
you know, I hadn't played for four or five months through injury. I played one game and then I had another three months twiddling my thumbs during the summer. Mm. So basically I played for eight, nine months and then came back into pre-season. I wasn't sharp enough. I was like, obviously, I wasn't fit enough. And I obviously never played for the first few games of the season then, and that's where Preston came in. Yeah, I mean, did, although you spent a year with Preston, did you? was there any inkling that you might get back in the team when you come back? I think Roy might have left by that point. So... Was there any sort of inkling that you might have been used by Steve Bruce? Nah, I don't think so. No. I had six months at Preston uh, alone initially, and you know, I loved it there. You know, I played. I went back to the championship. You know, I had a, you know, I had a brilliant four or five months there. Uh, you no, know, things a good form under Alan Irvin. And to be fair, I, I probably wasn't. I don't think Steve Bruce was was wanting me to come back. And to be fair, I I was playing well and enjoying it. So in football, you know, it's. For me, anyway, it's about playing football every week. That's what that's, yeah. I love playing football. You know, some people like enjoy sitting on the bench and sitting, take their money or wait contracts out. That's that's not for me. Um, you know, I enjoy playing games, so I think of Preston, who at the time were one of the top clubs in the league, weren't they? So it's, I mean, it's, it's an understandable. If you're going to move back to the championship, you want to go somewhere where you're not only comfortable, but obviously somewhere that they're going to be competitive. Yeah, competitive, yeah, we had a decent team, we ended up making the playoffs that season. No, it was a good season, no, it was good for me. I think I think overall, I think it was best for me to leave something at that time, uh, no, to, go, to go and play somewhere else. And no, that's just football for you, know, these things happen, but something, no, I loved it. Did you have any regrets about your time at the club, or were you pretty much happy with how things went? Oh, I was happy, you know, with how, how things went. Uh, I was, when I, obviously, when I first came, I'd, I'd never played. 10, 11, 12 games in a row before. You know, I'd, I was just I was just a young kid coming down for Celtic, you know, who played a game for one or two games, was out, you know, looked after as a kid, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I had never, that was my first year as being like an actual professional footballer, you know, when I first came to Sunderland. Obviously, I had a good time at Celtic and uh, had some good moments there, but when I first came to Sunderland, that was me becoming a, a proper football, professional footballer. And, you know, I was sort of learning. You know, playing week in, week out was a new experience for me. And, and that's all. Sort of, and then out the team towards the end, the sort of fatigue. But no, I, I can't have any regrets about, regrets about my time at Sunderland. You know, I had a, had a brilliant time. You know, the fans were brilliant. We had you know, some, some good moments, played with some great players, you know, and have fond memories. And I still look out for the results in that. But hopefully, you know, they could get back to where they were. Yeah. I mean, what, what do you rank as your greatest moment? You, I mean, it's got. I can probably think of one or two, but which one stands out to you? Uh, I think the, the the first game, the Derby game, the first one was good. The whole City games was a good game. No, the Luton game as well. You know, actually getting over the line, winning winning the actual league because I think we deserved it. No, there was there was a lot of games. Just that whole season, you no, know, even the day to day stuff, going in training with the lads, you no, know, the build ups, the games. No, it was just no, it was a brilliant experience, and I no, I loved every minute of it. That's brilliant. I mean, uh, well, thanks, Ross. I've had a I've had a great time ch- chatting with you. And uh, like I say, the fans who are listening to this will remember just as fondly as I do about. I know. I know you said you 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 feel you feel like you were daft for doing it, but ripping your shirt off and jumping in the crowd—that's what fans want to see. And I think that's why people still think you know so highly of you now, so many years later. I mean, like I say, it feels like two minutes ago, doesn't it? But we're sat here in twenty twenty. Time flies, you know. Hopefully. No, I still keep an eye out for the results. But obviously, it's just about, about the club at the minute. It's about player recruitment is, is key. And uh, they recruit the right players, and I think they have. They've got you know, a good nucleus of players there, young players as well. 
Um, no, I think I have a good chance of climbing the leagues, and hopefully they do because you know it's a brilliant club. They've got uh, unbelievable fans, and uh, it'd be nice to see that stadium packed out again. That would be nice. They'll be happy again. Well, yeah, he has hope, and he has hope we can get past all this coronavirus stuff and and get the football back underway soon enough. And you know that. If you ever find yourself in Sun for a game, there'll be plenty of us uh, willing to buy you a pint or two for those celebrations, I'm sure. No problem, I'll take you up on that. <laughs> hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 